Forget about the curveball, Ricky. Give him a heater. Welcome to the Heater Podcast. I'm Dan Lewig. He's Corey Peeper. As we uh, get set for the All-Star break and game this week, uh, as the MLB draft is underway as we are uh, in the middle of recording this podcast. Uh, and from, I listened to a, a uh, interview with uh, Tampa Bay Rays general manager Eric Neander uh, talking about how Trade talks and the hot stove has been on a low simmer initially because of the late MLB draft uh, in the year, and they expect that to heat up uh, immensely by the end of this week and going into the next two weeks leading into the trade deadline. So that's where we are in this uh, uh, part of the MLB season. We're going to break down the top 25 names you expect to hear in the next couple of weeks. And if we think they're going to be moved or not moved, and uh, we'll talk uh, buyers and sellers uh, and get you ready with uh, firing up the hot stove for what's coming up here by the end of this month. But before we do that, we'll uh, take a chance to dive into some uh, some injury news as we get into the All-Star break, and uh, as well as uh, we'll give you a little bit of MLB draft stuff as we... Uh, Talk about especially the Brewers just made their first pick, so we'll bring that up uh, here in a second as well, uh, and then get into our uh, who's on a heater and where the heat needs to be on. Uh, we'll talk about all those things here uh, in our podcast today, but before we dive into that, as always, the Heater Podcast is brought to you by River Creek Popcorn for all of your snacking needs for baseball games and movies of choice. Come hungry, leave happy. Uh, there was a birthday celebration at the uh, uh, popcorn wagon this weekend. My dad celebrated his birthday on Friday, so yeah. And, I t- and uh, quotation marks celebrated? Uh, exactly. It was great. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was fun. Um, yeah, my, he, he doesn't want me to tell people I'm sure how old he is because that's my, the way my father is, but I do know that he was very appreciative of Amanda coming to wish him a happy birthday. You were busy, but uh, it was nice. And a lot of people, once they saw the unicorn balloon, they wished him a happy birthday, which I don't know if he was happy about, <laughs> but it happened. I made up for it today with the uh, rotisserie you duck. You made a nice uh, duck, so, very well marinated. Uh, you did a good job. You're getting extremely good at all of your different meats. I, I'm uh, the the uh, outdoor meat cave is uh, you're getting, uh, in full swing. You're my go-to now for for like grilled things. I have to say, you've gotten much more advanced than anything else yeah. I have ever made on a grill. If there's anything that's uh, been a positive coming from uh, COVID in my neck of the woods, it's been learning how to uh, advance my outdoor cooking skills. Uh, it's so worked. We're uh, talking about uh, doing my first brisket on the smoker. As long as uh, I get a piece of it, you just do whatever you want. As long as I get a piece. It's nice having guinea pigs. That's all. That's the deal with all this is I get a piece of everything you try. Well, let's get a piece of uh, injury news here as we uh, dive into the uh, podcast. And uh, Where do you want this is an extensive list this week. We, we've been pretty good the last couple of weeks. And I now think the some of these ones are the fake up. ones again, though. I think that some of these are the all-star, all-star game break. fake ones again. Yep. But... Let's start with one, the biggest one of the week, and I know it's not a fake one, and this is Ronald yeah. Acuna Jr., who is uh, gonna was going to be in contention to win an MVP award, was tracking to catch a fly ball, and I think he was playing center like he usually does for against the Marlins, and he did not catch it. He kind of jumped awkwardly, landed awkwardly, and 
tore his ACL and he is out for the rest of this season and nine to ten months. Probably part of next season. He'll yeah. probably not be back part of next year. I'd and say May. It sucks, right? He's yeah. so good. Like you're talking about a superstar, and we've talked about Fernando Tatis and maybe missing all year, but he's still going, and this just goes to show that. You don't know how to predict injuries, and when they happen, it's tough. Now, when this is hard, you have uh, Fernando Tatis trying to get like the shoulder issues there that everyone's aware of. My, uh, Trout being out right now is the other big one. You have three of the top, what maybe five names uh, for MVP contention that are under that have dealt with serious injuries this year. My question about Acuna is even even next. So now, if you're the Braves, you got to be a little worried because I always felt that they might come back. But now you've lost Acuna, you've lost Azuna, which is his own fault. But they're gone, and even next year, like part of Acuna's game is not only the power but the speed. And coming off an ACL tear, I would not expect those stolen bases and the speed to maybe be as much of a factor. It's kind of happened with Trout over the last few years, where he's still extremely fast, but he is so valuable that the Angels just tell him don't run. He just picks and chooses his yeah. moments when it's needed, but that's about it. Yeah, th- this is uh, from a fantasy perspective. I would not be expecting the the uh, stolen base numbers from him next year, and just monitor that first before you pick him extremely high. That. Yes. Yeah. Uh, let's mention a guy. I don't know if we've ever actually mentioned him because he's in the minors, but I figured he should come up. So Fernando Tatis's backup and another highly regarded prospect is C.J. Abrams, who's yep. a top ten prospect, but. He broke his tibia this week in a collision in the outfield, so he is out for the year. So now there isn't the great backup for Tatis if something should happen there, and it's another missed year of development, which means C.J. Abrams is probably going to be not happening next year, which is kind of what I thought we might see him next year, but now that's probably a year later. Let's. Uh, I know we're in injuries, but let's talk about a couple things here on the basis of that because, uh, number one, the, going back to the Braves for just a moment, uh, we not – for anything injury related or or anything within it, but this gets into unfortunately what I predicted for all sorts of random things that they're just not going to be able to do what they did last year and had a missing the playoffs as a result. They're not uh, pinpointing one thing, but just the, the weird funk that comes after a great year sometimes. Uh, and f- the stars could not align more for saying this is not Atlanta's year, right? I mean, think of all the injuries you have. It went back into last year, too, but Mike Soroka, right? Here's your your ace that's there. He's You're questioning whether or not he plays another game again, right? I As am. you have that much there. You have the Azuna stuff that uh, went uh, uh, off the charts sort of things. And then you losing Acuna. And, uh, yeah, it's everything that could go wrong with Atlanta has. Because even Freddie Freeman was in a funk. He was. Uh, oh, yeah. With things. So it, it's just not their year. Uh, and uh, this is a talented team, but I think that's a, now a question as we get into at this stage. We'll talk about another team that's uh, asking that question now, but Atlanta could become a seller I saw uh, some, for the, the by the trade deadline. I saw some mention of specifically Charlie Morton again yep. because he's the one-year player who's a little older, and if they're not in contention, you're not like, win, yeah, so you got to think about him. So I don't have him on my list, but he he's one. I actually saw your team mentioned again. Would he be willing to go back to your team? There's a comfort level there, yeah. so that wouldn't surprise me if they decided to go for what they already know uh, for something like that because uh, without diving too much into it, the Rays don't necessarily need long-term uh, controllable arms. They need someone right now, mm-hmm. uh, and he's the right type of veteran potentially for that. So we'll see what, what comes from that because it's also a selected market because he doesn't. he's already made it well-known. He wants to stay closer to his home base, right? 
uh, which is in Orlando. So Atlanta was close enough within it. They also did spring training there. It worked. Obviously, the Rays do too, but he's not going to want to go to L.A. or uh, to other places like that, even for the half year. So And teams are pretty much going to give him that respect of just letting him go where he's willing to go. Uh, so that's an interesting one to monitor. But switching gears to the San Diego Padres, there's no other team that put it on the the billboard more that we're, our, our window of contention is open than what the Padres have done like in the last 18, 20 months, right? Uh, mm-hmm. They have made all the major trades. They dominated the trade deadline last year, right? Pretty much all the players that were available, yeah, we're taking them all. Uh, that's been the Padres' uh, move uh, as they tried to get themselves ready to fully compete with the Dodgers in the NL West. And no team has been more snake bit by injuries than what the Padres have been. Think of how many names, how many people hurt, uh, stuff that, that's gone on there that the even the people they have, they're still going to be uh, needing to be more active at this deadline because of the injuries than what they should have been based upon what they've done. We talked about you Darvis just went on the, the IL. That may be a short thing. Blake Snell went on the IL. Uh, guys that they were counting on, now they still can. None of these are season-ending injuries or anything, but you have those types of injuries. They've been decimated prospect-wise for guys that have gotten injured, like the C.J. Abrams, another example. Mm-hmm. The shoulder question when it comes to Tatis. Like, uh, Tommy Pham gets uh, knifed. Stabbed. Like, seriously, like this is the luck this team has had. Uh, so for those that were super excited to see this big uh, two-team juggernaut going on in the NL West, it hasn't been able to quite materialize the same way. It's still good. And There's this is a juggernaut, still a very but it doesn't team. include the Padres now? It's still a good team, <laughs> by all means. But you wish you wanted to see them at full strength, right? Like, to see how that could actually be with these two. And the only thing that's helped there is the, the Giants have inserted themselves into the conversation, and right? I said, it's a, the juggernaut is now the Giants and the Dodgers. Yeah. But the yeah. Padres and the is... Uh, they could still win a lot this year. I'm not going to say Absolutely. that. But this next is still year, a very much a playoff contending team. Oh yeah. And remember, next year, we haven't even Mike Clevenger, right? That's He's always been out for the whole year. So he's always been gone the whole year. And yeah, add that to the Lamette. rotation. Yeah, well, I have so many weird, so many concerns about Denelson Lamette because yep. of the way the Padres have managed him. But yeah, the, the Padres are going to be good, but they've, they've been hit hard. The White Sox, uh, that's the only other name I throw in there because they've missed Eloy and Luis Robert and Madrigal. And now Grandal's out for six weeks. So. Those are the two teams that I think we expected to compete, are competing still, but uh, really hit hard by injuries this year. Let's mention that one since you uh, uh, mentioned that was Grandal. Uh, that yeah. was the other big one from this week, right? Yeah, he's a big name for this week. His was a knee injury. He checks his swing back on Monday, and I, it just said knee, but it's he had surgery the next day, and they said a month to a month and a half, so... You know, it's hard to replace a catcher, especially one that good. Now they have options. They went to Zach Collins, who was a former first-round pick, and they keep finding ways to win games, even though their offense is kind of hurt. We talked a lot before we started about Eloy Jimenez. He went out on a rehab assignment. It has begun, so it's been a long time, but maybe by the end of this month, I would expect that we see Eloy Jimenez back, so that will help. Uh, let's do one more really big name for this week. Sixto Sanchez. We haven't seen him pitch yet this season, and you will not see him pitch this season. He finally, months after we heard that he was going to just be a couple weeks behind, he had shoulder surgery this week, and it's depressing, right? Because we've seen what he could do in the short season last year, and we all had this big hype, or at least expectations for what he could be this year, but it's a lost year of development for Mr. Sanchez. 
Yeah, that's the the tough one. You saw the Florida Marlins, Miami Marlins, that were uh, uh, the next big three, right? They had their their young arms, and uh, they were the surprise team last year. And then haven't seen them pitch. Then you find out why, and and shoulders are much more iffy than elbows. Yes, they are. Uh, and so that throws everything into question from their their most promising prospect, the one where they they got the uh, Real Muto trade right. Like here was your prize pitching prospect that came from that. Uh, so that's a a devastating blow to a team that was trying to get to that next level of players developed. They're on the major league uh, roster and now we're competing. Uh, and uh, unfortunately, that's one of the biggest injuries and reasons why the Marlins have regressed this year and why they could be an interesting selling team uh, as well, and we'll talk about some of those players later. Let's lump some of these muscle injuries together. Eddie Rosario has been playing outfield for the Indians. He'd been battling some ab stuff, and eventually they just said, you know, take your 10 days IL and we'll figure it out how long it's going to be, but he got placed on the IL with an abdomen injury. First hamstring of the week is Anthony Rendon and what has been a really disastrous season for him. He has missed, I think this is his third different injury that he's went on the IL with, and he's been on the heat is on a few times because he just can't get out of his own way. And it makes you wonder how good the Angels could be if they had Trout and Rendon when they playing like themselves with Shohei Amazing. I don't know what words to say on him anymore, but they could be great. But Rendon hurt again. And another hamstring of the week is your team. Andy Margot hits the IL with a hamstring injury, which has forced them to call up one of their prospects, which we'll get to in a little bit here. But it didn't sound super severe. I would a couple weeks, two, three weeks. Probably sounds closer to that three-week range uh, than two, uh, but still not going to be a an extended uh, uh, miss there. And they have the outfield depth to uh, to assist that, and also a big-time prospect that could be assisting that. Yeah, Gregory Polanco hip injury. He hit the IL. I don't know what else got to say there. He's been very cold, but hitting both home runs and stealing bases. Clayton Kershaw, I think this is the kind of the first fakish injury of the week. I'm not too concerned here. Left elbow inflammation. I believe this is a start your spring training or start your all-star break early. Don't you consider going to the all-star game because we don't want you to do that. And I don't expect him to miss too much time there. I was helping someone with some uh, uh, fantasy trade advice this last week. And uh, so I've been up up to date on the, the Kershaw uh, injury stuff. And this is one where he felt something in the elbow, and he's never had elbow issues. And so this was a, like, we're going to kid glove this one, massive precautionary thing. And then MRI came back, excellent, no issues there, no structural damage, nothing is there. So they're just giving, this is the perfect time to take that little reprieve, be out a couple weeks, come back maybe a, a week or two after the All-Star break, uh, and be ready for the stretch run. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's talk, Sonny Gray had a right Rib cage muscle strained. He hit the IL. Here's a big one. Joe Ross has pitched really well for the Nationals and right elbow inflammation. And he's him and his brother have histories of having lots of injuries. So when they pitch, they're typically pretty good, but a lot of injuries. And Joe Ross is one of them. How about Buster Posey? This one leads directly to another big prospect getting called up. Buster Posey. I think it's just hand soreness. I believe he got a foul ball off the hand. So he will not participate in the All Star game, which is where he would have started. But he got placed on the IL, and hands are tough, especially something like that. So we saw, like, Corey Seager broke a bone in it. It's been a couple months, and he's still not back. But in this case, it didn't sound like anything was broken. Just got to let the swelling go down, but he's a catcher, right? So it could take an – got to make sure it's all gone. 
that's one of those where you wonder what type of timing would there be if there wasn't an all-star break, right? It seems like some of these are on the precautionary side and the right timing to do that. Uh, you already mentioned Blake Snell. Carlos Correa was sick. Apparently he got placed on the IL. I don't know. I didn't see a whole lot if it was COVID or what. We do have some COVID. The Phillies had COVID issues today. Alec Bohm, Aaron Nola, Connor Brogdon, and Bailey Falter all were placed in the COVID protocols. You say Kikuchi went on the COVID IL, so it's still around. I, I don't know if that has anything to do with shots. If they tested positive, they don't have to release that. But COVID's still out there. It's been a while since we've had to discuss it, but not gone yet. Um, last couple here, Miguel Andujar had a wrist injury for the Yankees. He had some a nice little stretch earlier in the year for them. Jan Gomes, who's catching for the Nationals, had an oblique. And then you mentioned you Darvish had the this today they put him on the aisle with a left hip inflammation. So too too new to get a whole lot of news on how bad that is, but I won't be very concerned. He had a rough start the other night and I wasn't too worried about him being hurt though, but we'll see. Yeah, it seems like that one will be a sooner rather than later one. Mm-hmm. Should we move on to the news? Let's do it. Hot off the presses. How about the trade of the week for the Brewers? It seems like we talk about the Brewers and their trades pretty often. This week, yet again, they decided to move a bullpen arm. In this case, it was the guy they got from your team, I don't know, a month ago, Trevor Richards. Richards. I almost said Trevor Rogers, who I knew was on the Marlins still. Trevor Richards and Bowden Francis, who's a minor leaguer, who had a pretty nice year, and they got Rowdy Telez back from the Blue Jays. So, as far as the Blue Jays are concerned... More bullpen depth. That's kind of been their thing. Remember, the, the week before that, they acquired Corey Dickerson and Adam Simber as they're trying to improve their bullpen. So it's clear what the Blue Jays are doing, and it makes sense because their offense is really good to the point where Rowdy Telez, who a lot of people really like Rowdy Telez for what he offers, as far as the bat is concerned, was in the minors for them. And so with the Brewers, he bats left-handed. Keston Hira bats right-handed, and it just is a perfect platoon, and you get it a little earlier than the trade deadline, I think, to see – is this going to work out? And if not, maybe you'd go for a bigger name first baseman, but it's a low-risk, high-reward move, I think. Yeah, it's a low-cost move for the Brewers and the right timing to do it. You have a couple of weeks to find out. Uh, you know, He's been uh, not producing at his career norms. This has been a slower year for him, so you hope a change of scenery. Does that get him out of his funk and back to uh, what his production level has been? If so, I, I think you have a platoon at first base that you're set to go with, and you can look at other ways of improving the team. So it's a low-cost uh, uh, peak to see if, if a one hole can be plugged uh, or otherwise is back uh, looking at it by the trade deadline. I'd like to see, when Daniel Vogelbach gets healthy, Rowdy Telez and Daniel Vogelbach arm wrestle. <laughs> that that already is a uh, uh, quite the... Uh, proportioned first base platoon. <laughs> yeah, How's that for PC? That was, was the big boys on the <laughs> Brewers right now. They, 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 they make the weight limit on any ride, I'm sure. So uh, let's move on here to the, the White Sox. We mentioned them having some injuries. And remember this offseason when they made a move for Adam Eaton, and I said, ah, I'm not a huge fan of that move. And, well, apparently at this point, no longer are the White Sox fans that move. So earlier this week, he remember, he was signed to a $7 million contract with actually a pretty good option for next year. But – he was hitting 201 in 58 games, and the White Sox DFA'd Mr. Eaton, and it clears up playing room spots for right now Adam Engel. Uh, eventually, Eloy, I said, will come back pretty soon, but it, he just wasn't playing pretty well and very well. But I wouldn't be surprised if you didn't see Adam Eaton sign for a much cheaper deal than that to be a fourth outfielder with a contending team. See, this, I, I at least give them the, the credit for when a move isn't working, not to stick with it, to go ahead and cut your losses and try to find other improvements. Uh, there are some that would try to just keep 
just leave it there and just let it uh, fester. And, and those are the things that when you're uh, when you are competing, when you're trying to get uh, uh, a playoff team together, those are some of the small things that can shoot yourself in the foot along the way. So. Again, props to them for identifying it or recognizing it as a, a misstep and then making a course correction. Yes, they did. Uh, the big three free agent, or excuse me, minor league call-ups of the week. Let's start with your guy. So I mentioned Manny Gar- Margot had the hamstring injury, and because of that, they called up, originally they played a doubleheader, and they called up Vidal Brujan for the doubleheader, which you get an extra player, and then they sent him right back down the next day, but then they called him right back up. So... He can play second. He can play third, short, in the outfield, I believe. He's played all of them. His primary position is second base, although he played outfield for them today, and he's left-handed. And what we've said about Brujan is extreme speedster. Oh, yeah. Okay, yes. He's a switch hitter. Extreme speed, right? One of the probably five fastest guys in baseball already. Yep. A little bit of power. I wouldn't say that's going to be his calling card, but we were talking beforehand, I don't see him playing more than probably five days a week tops, four to five days a week, and that's good for what the Rays, the way the Rays use him works for them, and uh, he'll be a good player. But do we think he's up for good when Margot gets back? Does he stay up? I think that's going to be up to him. As far as the, if you perform well, they're not going to send you back down. If you're batting 300 and you have some stolen bases and you've had a good first impression – someone else will either make a, a, a short stint to the IL or someone else is being sent down. Uh, but uh, you ha- at this level right now in the middle of a playoff chase, you have to uh, uh, hold your weight, carry your weight, right? And uh, it's not a knock on anything with him long-term uh, uh, for prediction-wise or what he's capable of, uh, but you, uh, if you want to stick, you have to show something right away. The only one who's going to be given more leeway with that is Wander Franco. Uh, and uh, uh, definitely getting his first taste of adversity. Uh, and, and it, it took him to uh, get to the M- MLB level to get there. And so the, the Rays, especially with him, they, they're going to let him ride this out for a while. Uh, some, some people could uh, send him back to the minors that way, but you, you want him to be facing this competition because you want him to work it out. This is what's beneficial for him, and this is your franchise player. Uh, so you're trying to set him up not only for now but for the long term. So he's going to stick around for a while uh, and, and have a chance to do that. Uh, because of that, uh, and with the Taylor Wallace returning, uh, Bruhan will not uh, have that same luxury afforded him because of the roster crunch. I, th- I think that's where you, you mentioned Taylor Walls. I think when Margot gets back, if Bruhan's been hitting, I think he stays and Taylor Walls maybe goes back down and we see Wander Franco play some short. And this is you're much more in tune with the Rays than I am, but that's what I would guess. And if Rudolph Brujan is not hitting, then Taylor Wall stays, and because he can play some amazing shortstop. Yeah, I I think he's here long term. I actually I'm, I've been impressed of the he doesn't have the same pedigree of the others, but he's already tied for the league lead and defensive yeah, runs saved. His, his defense is incredible uh, at shortstop, and tied for the league lead despite playing only one third of the games of what everyone else is. And this is a team that values defense. Uh, and his bat's been okay. Uh, so I, I don't know who goes down. I don't think it's him. But uh, uh, but if Bruhan uh, is hitting well, I, I'd be curious to see who they do end up sending down. But that's definitely a middle infield roster crunch there. We'll see what happens as far as the impact for uh, you know two of the top 25 prospects in Major League Baseball uh, are now part of this conversation. That's why we've been talking about it here. And we'll see what happens in the next couple weeks. That's the other two prospects I called up this week are both catchers. 
Uh, Cal Raleigh is a Seattle catcher. Now, Jared Kelnick gets all the hype, and Julio Rodriguez gets all the hype, but listen to these numbers. So Cal Raleigh this season at AAA, a 320 average, 374 on base, and a 600 slugging. He has 20 doubles, nine home runs, almost just slightly more strikeouts than walks. Uh, very, very intriguing bat as Eric Cross, who works for Fangraphs. That's what he that's what he had him listed down as, and he just got called up yesterday. I did not see what he did today, but it sounds like he could be up to stay for a while. And it sounds like Jared Kelnick is likely to come up probably again right after the break. I saw he was playing in the Futures game today, but there was some talk that that was just the last time we were going to see him and they were going to send him right back up because I think he had like a 290-ish average the last couple month or so up there. And the other catcher who got called back, I said Buster Posey got hit on the hand and got hurt. The Giants have a very famous catching prospect in Joey Bart, and he's been up for a couple days. I saw he had a two-hit day, I think his first day, and maybe a no-hit day the next day, but... Uh, he's definitely considered one of the better catching prospects in the game along with Adley Rutschman. So some good catchers coming up. If you're going to mention to Seattle, we should at least give a little bit of uh, love to a uh, Logan Gilbert. Oh, you've uh, been so good lately. Who uh, there's their uh, was already rated that way, but there's their stud uh, future ACE uh, prospect. That's now uh, showing though that potential at the major league level. Uh, and apparently he's now been introducing his changeup more uh, with things, and it has been electric. So he hasn't given up. I was just looking at some of these some of the five six inning starts, which is pretty good, and with one earned run, one earned run, no earned runs, two earned runs, and it culminated this week in a start against the Yankees with seven innings, one hit, and eight strikeouts. So yeah, Logan Gilbert looks very much like the ace that he's projected to be, and that's good. Seattle. It's got all those prospects coming through. So two years. I think Seattle's I think Seattle's window is two years. I was just getting ready to ask when are they now the top uh threat to the Astros in the AL West? That's that's what I'm saying. Two years. Not this year, not next year, but the year after that. Watch out. Cause Logan Gilbert, Jared Kelnick, Julio Rodriguez, Cal Raleigh, they got a lot. They have actually more arms that I could mention too, but we'll leave that for a different podcast. Uh more news? Coors Field? They're holding the All-Star game, and we talks, We hear all about Crisis the mass shootings. Averted. We hear all about the mass shootings, right? But the police still do their job, and it sounds like it was a maid at a hotel who was doing her job diligently and happened to notice a lot of long-arm rifles and firearms. And we remember the shooting in Las Vegas uh, three, four years ago, and sounded like someone was planning to do some of that at Coors Field this weekend to host the All-Star game, and crisis averted. They caught it before it happened, so... Well done, police officers. Well done, maid. You're a hero. Saved a lot of lives, it sounds like. Just the more encouragement that if you see something, uh, say something and uh, uh, and, and save lives. Uh, and that's what this story appears to, to be from what's uh, out there right now. Uh, and, and thankful that we're talking about this and not what could be, as they talked about this being the potential for another like Las Vegas uh, situation. So uh, thankful to hear this type of news versus on the other side. So good to hear. Uh, good news for baseball. Matt Barnes got a two-year contract extension today with the Red Sox with a club option for 2024. He's been really good this year. The Red Sox are really good. He's got 19 saves with a 268 ERA. Uh, what he's always had problems with with him has been the walks. He can strike out a ton of guys. So 37 innings, he has 62 strikeouts. But in the past, it's always been much higher walk rates. This year, that's down to 10 and 37 innings. And his first All-Star game, the FIP is as low as it's ever been. So well-deserved. Boston locked up their closer for the next couple of years, I would say. I was looking to see what the, the numbers were for that, and it's uh, 
Right. Good uh, for someone who has been a bit of a journeyman, right? Mm-hmm. And now ha- coming off a, a career year right now, and if it stays on that pace, uh, especially with getting the, the save opportunities, if anyone was looking at the beginning of the year, they would have thought Adam Adovino would have been the guy, right? I thought he was going to be uh, the guy, yeah. So uh, Barnes has uh, taken the role initially, especially when Adovino was out, and he has held on to it and done a very good job. So uh, this was him cashing in while also being at a price point that isn't uh, uh, cost uh, uh, prohibitive for the uh, for the Red Sox. It's a two-year, about $14.5 million uh, contract with an additional $8 million club option. So you're looking at three years, $23 million, give or take. Uh, that's not bad at all, especially if, if he can sustain what he's doing right now. That's a cheap rate. Uh, and if he's better off as a setup reliever, within, that's still a little under what the going rate is for the very top of those types of uh, of pitchers. So a good move uh, against uh, financial security for for him and a cost controlled now for the uh, the Red Sox. Last piece of news this week is an accomplishment by Pablo Lopez. So last week at this time we were talking about Pablo Lopez throwing one pitch and getting thrown out of the game against the Braves. Today he threw a few more than one one pitch. He did. He threw. Six innings against the Braves, but the first three innings are where it counts because he struck out the first nine batters he faced. The MLB record where every one of the Braves, he sat him down those first three innings via the strikeout. And it's awesome. You you think he had a little uh, edge to himself today? I think he had a little extra motivation to get it back at Brian Snicker. And that was when he hit Ronald Acuna. And remember, they were all worried he was going to hit his elbow and hurt him. Well, just goes to show you. You can't predict it. You can't predict injuries, right? Because he's not playing. And Pablo Lopez is great. I think that he made the All Star team. If not, he deserved to because he's been amazing this year. But MLB records. Since you mentioned that, uh, this is with the caveat that he is an amazing player. He's a good player. This is not a knock on him uh, overall at all, and especially in light of the injury that he had. But the one thing that was frustrating to me this past week was I forget who it was that was pitching, but it was like a. 70-mile-an-hour curveball. It, it was an off-speed pitch uh, from the Marlins, hits uh, hits Acuna, and you get all the, the drama and the whining from being hit. It was a 1-0 to zero game. There was no in- intention behind it. These, this is part of the game. I get that it's maybe happened a lot to you, but when you can tell that this wasn't intentional, stop the whining on this. This is becoming a bigger, and I'll say this is an umpire-led thing. If you would not have had the issue that was before, you wouldn't have had this. You, there's nothing to this. It almost caused a full benches clearing thing, despite this being very clear. There was no intention here. The umpiring this year has it's reached a new low. I feel like I, I am ready for the robots. Send me the robots. Like yeah. they can't be any worse than the strike zone we got going on right now. So it's it's the and I don't know if it's because of the being out of habit but with the shortened season or anything? Or what's what's the issue at the less than the norm uh, production we normally see, like quality we normally see from the, the umpires? Normally there's a little bit of grumbling within it, and it's a national pastime to complain about the umpiring, right? Mm-hmm. Sure. Uh, but there's some legitimate complaints this year and, and, and the inconsistencies of how things have been done. And, uh, yeah, if... I go back to the old Caddyshack movie. Uh, you know, like, if you want, uh, if you want golf carts, if you want that replacing caddies, you want, just keep doing what you're doing right now, right? Exactly. Uh, bad caddying is going to lead to that. Uh, well, that's what we're going to have with umpiring here. You will have the robot stuff happening very much quicker 
and rather than being a debate, it's going to be a how fast can we make this happen if this doesn't improve. And I said, I'm ready for it. Like, you got to hold somebody accountable. And that's what the problem is with umpires is right now they really are not held accountable for poor decisions. And that's on you, Rob. That's your negative Rob part of the week right here. Hold your, hold your employees accountable for their bad moves. Well, that would mean holding himself accountable uh, first. So that's a whole different uh, issue for a different day. Uh, let's talk about something more exciting, and that's uh, let's go on a heater. Andrew McCutcheon, 34 years young. I think earlier in the year I put him on the heat is on, but he's on a heater now. At the end of May, he was sitting at 201 with seven home runs and 21 RBIs. At the season, he's now up to 233 because he's hit 292 since June started. During that time, so June, we're not through July, so the first two months he had seven home runs. Well, we're through June and just a little bit of July. He has eight home runs and 27 RBIs in that span, which, quick math, he's now up to 15 home runs and 48 RBIs. And we've mentioned the weird Philly season a few times, but they're not out of it yet. And uh, if they're going to get back into it, they're going to need this type of production from Andrew McCutcheon, and it's encouraging to see. That is the only division uh, that I would consider wide open. Uh, and uh, multiple teams having a still a shot at that uh, because the the lowest win total for any division leader is the uh, NL East. That's, uh, the, that's the part about that division. It's, yep. Yeah. It's, it, it's the NL Central from last year. Yes, it is. That's, that's the way to describe it, and didn't see that coming, but that's the way it's playing out. Let's talk. Let's go to the other side of the country. Manny Machado, happy birthday, July 6th. You turned 29 years old, and... He was the highest war player that did not get voted in the All-Star game after Acuna broke his hand. He is now in, but I just think he gets overshadowed because Fernando Tatis Jr. is on the same team as him, but Manny Machado is a superstar in his own right, and he doesn't get the credit. So this last week, I took this a couple days ago. It could have changed a little bit, but he was 9 for 22 with three home runs. For the year, he was at 15 home runs, 59 RBIs, nine steals, and a 271 average, and I don't think we really talked about him that much, and this guy was finished third in the MVP voting last year. And so I just think we don't appreciate how good Manny Machado really is. I said, just because of Fernando Tatis being on that team and it's no slight to Manny Machado. You're extremely good too. And getting some love here. Cause you're on a heater right now. Yeah. That's the, uh, underappreciated at this point, as much as you can be with the contract that he has. Right. Uh, but overshadowed by his, uh, infield teammate and understandably so overall, but still a key contributor, uh, to everything going on in San Diego. Let's talk a little bit of a different player. A guy we, I don't know if we've really talked about him at all, but David Fletcher is riding a 24-game hitting streak going back to June 13th. Through May, he was at 261, but he is now up over 300 on this year because during that 24 games, he's hitting 417. Now, he only has 10 extra base hits during that time, nine doubles and a home run, but not much more you can ask for. He's, I put in here, he reminds me a lot of a class, another classic angel in David Eckstein and that he's kind of short he doesn't strike out at all. He doesn't really walk. On the year, he had 319 at-bats. He only struck out 36 times and walked 15. So when David Fletcher comes up, you expect him to put the ball in play, and he's been doing it really well right now. So, yeah, that's way to go. Actually, there's another angel on this list. Let's move to the pitchers. I got Raziel Iglesias on here, and it's an interesting name because he's also on the trade rumors list that's coming up a little later. But the season numbers started off – they're fine. He started off a little slow, but 40 innings, six wins, 18 saves with 63 strikeouts, a 357 ERA, and a .87 whip. But you cut it down to June 23rd, which it's just a random end date where I wanted to go for the good stuff, and it looks even better. Nine games, 11 innings, because he can go multiple innings a lot. 2-0, six saves, 20 strikeouts to no walks. 
He only has allowed two earned runs during that time. So do you hear that right now? Do you hear that? I do not. That's the that's the GM uh, going to Ching for the prospects yes, that could be coming is. that way. That's that is one of the two or three biggest arms as far as bullpen arms are available out there. And remember, they just got him this past off season, and they had to give up not nearly as much as I thought they should have to get him. So I think they could turn that into a slight little profit for them. Which good they should get a starting pitcher. Sorry, or three. Yeah, exactly. Last name on the on a heater is Frankie Montas. He said himself he had his best stuff of the season this past week. Six and two-thirds, and he struck out ten. Now, I went back through it. He has some just crazy stat lines when you look at his game logs. He'll have starts where he'll go two, three games, and he will allow one or no's, and then he has at least three starts this year where he's given up over six earned runs, and that's because he he should follow. He should go talk to his friend Kevin Gaussman across the bay because he lives and dies by the splitter which is easily his best pitch, but for some reason he refuses to throw it as much as he should. He should go say, hey, Kev, why do you throw your splitter 70% of the time, and how does it work for you? Because I'm throwing mine 10% of the time, and people never hit it, but I don't want to throw it. So go talk to Kevin Gaussman, figure out what he's doing, and you'll be much better, Frankie Montas. Just an interesting side point, because we've seen that in the last 18 months. Uh, it used to be, if you want to be a starting pitcher, you need at least three pitches, if not four, right? That's And, and that's not that it's wrong or that that's changed per se, but I think what's been the more current prevailing thought is, you know what? Your be- whatever your best pitch is, throw it more. Uh, and so if that means your third pitch, you're only throwing maybe 5 or 10% of the time, or in a particular start, you're not going to throw it at all because your best pitch is doing that well. Lean on it, like and and uh, I'll give a different example. Here's one where that's exactly what Montes needs because you can look at Kevin Gaussman as the as the uh, evidence on the other side. But Matt Whistler uh, is a relief pitcher that was not doing well uh, for them. They get uh, sent over to the Rays in a trade. He's throwing his slider about ninety percent of the time now, almost at the level of what uh, Mariano Rivera threw his cutter. Right, it's working. He's getting. Uh, all but like one outing is a shutout uh, uh, outings with it. The pitch is that good. Uh, at some point, it's not about quantity. It's about quality. And I think we're starting to see that shift a little bit in Major League Baseball. Throw your best pitches. That's when early in the year, remember, I wrote off Patrick Corbin because he stopped using his slider and his velocity was down, and he's still not looking very good. So, yeah, I couldn't agree more. Throw what you got that gets people out. I'll add one more uh, to the the name is uh, Brandon Lau finished yes, uh, fifth in the American League uh, last year uh, in mm-hmm. in uh, MVP voting. Uh, he was and, also uh, on the Heat design earlier this year because he was really bad for a while. Yeah, he's he's the textbook definition of hot and cold, and right now he's hot. Uh, in nine games, he has hit seven home runs, eleven RBI, uh, and he's been uh, starting to uh, look more like that player last year. Uh, than he has at all this season. I think he heard the footsteps from Vidal Brujan playing second base on him finally. And, and also showing that flexibility again. He's one of the guys that has been filling in in right field uh, with uh, Margot being out. Let's move to the heat is on, shall we? Let's do it. Jesse Winker, remember how hot he was? Well, he's having a, I'm not going to say he's having what's a normal part here, but he's having the regression that should have happened at some point, and he'll be okay, but... Since we rolled the calendar to July, I didn't see today, but three for 33 with two RBIs. Now that includes a .95 BABIP, so that's pretty low. But teams have really begun shifting him, too, to pull. And think of some of the Bryce Harper seasons, because Jesse Winker's a lefty. Think of some of the Bryce Harper seasons. We see Bryce Harper have 290 seasons. We've seen Bryce Harper have, like, 230 seasons. Because when you pull it that much and you're a lefty, it can really shift you. And it's kind of a correction on Jesse Winker from an insanely high BABIP to more of a normal one. I 
do still think, I think he dropped down below 300, but I do still think there's a very good chance he gets to the 300 this year with the really good counting stats. So it's going to change back to him just being a good player again because he's still contacting the ball really well. Yeah, he's like the ebbs and flows. He's finally getting one of those uh, uh, lows here that uh, uh, has escaped him so far this year. So that's inevitable, but you're still looking at a 300 hitter. His next two guys are kind of linked together. So let's start with Cody Bellinger. He's about to turn 26 this week, and I actually have some concerns here, like real concerns. Now, mainly, it's his health, right? It's the shoulder. We've seen a hamstring injury this year where he's missed time with both. So he's only on 107 at bat, so he doesn't. there is no StatCast 80 yet. It's not a big enough sample size. I know he had a home run last night, but the eye test says he's just really not contacting the ball like he did two, three years ago when he won an MVP. I don't think he's a lost cause for career. I don't think that, but I wouldn't be surprised to say this turned out kind of like a lost season. If you told me he gets to 220 this year, like that might be the peak where he's at. I think he's under 200 right now with 15 home runs and 50 RBIs from Cody Bellinger. I think that's kind of what you're looking at. Who are you more concerned at long-term, Cody Bellinger or Christian Yelich. Yeah, let's get to him because we're going to put them together for a second here. So remember in 2019, I said... I didn't, when, know, I didn't know the list there, so I know I'm glad you did. I did that. Uh, he's next. Remember in 2019 when they battled it out for the MVP? Well, he's next on this list. So he's still trying to figure it out, and he made himself some comments this week. I will read this. I will bleep myself out, but uh, just learning how to hit again, that he's breaking it down on square one and trying not to suck anymore. I cut out the other words, but... Uh, He's looking to, it looks rough. I watch every game or I try to watch every game with him. So the career high walk percentage is great, but there's still some encouraging underlying numbers. He's top 5% in hard hit rate, max exit velocity. He doesn't chase and he walks a lot. It's he struggles massively on the breaking pitches right now, sliders, curveballs, And so he gets a ton of them and he's got a 164 expected batting average on those. And he's got a career low zone contact rate, which Long story short, zone contact means when the ball is in the zone, you swing, you want to hit it four out of five times. 80% of the time is kind of like expected zone contact rate. Well, he's usually much higher than that. He's 80, 85%, even in the Marlins days. Well, now that's much lower, and so he's got a high whiff rate, and he's striking out more again. Long-term concerns? <sighs> that's tough. I would say... Yeah, between the two, which, which one concerns uh, you more, Cody Bellinger or Christian Yelich? I think it's Cody Bellinger still. I He's got the injury stuff. I Other than the foul ball off the knee, which is now two years removed, there's still a lot to like on Christian Yelich. I think he still hits the ball hard. Are we now saying that the power that he showed there was an aberration when you look at the rest of his season numbers uh, in his career? The 40 home run seasons are probably not coming back, but if you told me he had 30 again, I think that's that's within the realm of possibility. That's better than he did with the Marlins, but not MVP. Cody Bellinger, I said, if I knew that Cody Bellinger would stay healthy, but he is a large man with an extremely long swing, so I'm not sure that Cody Bellinger is going to age all that well. He has that massive uppercut to his swing. So, number one, that uppercut is always a challenge for aging gracefully, right? Mm -hmm. And the second part is uh, injuries start slowing that down. When you're not at full speed, you need the bat speed to make that type of uh, uh, swing work. Uh, the problem is they have a glut of corner infielders. They've been using moving him all over the place, but he's at the stage where first base or DH uh, might be his best position if you want to try to keep him healthy. 
he he probably should play more first base for them. They tend to they keep playing pools at two more home runs yesterday. I don't know what they do out there, but there's something else. And they're not playing him in center anymore, luckily for him, because Mookie Betts plays center field as he should, and Pollock plays left, so he plays right a lot. And it's tough. I I don't know about Cody Bellinger. I want to believe that Cody Bellinger is going to stay healthy and get better. I want to believe that Christian Yelich is going to start stop swinging at and missing it as much as he is. But there were two years on this. Now, part of Christian Yelich's thing was, okay, we're two years, but we're 400 at-bats, right? It's 400 at-bats. It's 60 games last year. It's 80 games this year. We're not to a full, true full season here yet for both these guys. So I've seen two years of greatness out of both of them, right? Cody Bellinger was great at 22 when he won an MVP, I think, at 23 years old. So is it? can I write him off? No, you can't. And Christian Yelich has won an MVP and was tracking towards a second one when he fouled the ball off his knee. So I'm not writing him off either. I think they both could get back to being 30 home run, even 15 steal bats again. But it's not going to happen this season. Let's move on to the two, three pitchers. I got some big names here this week. Okay, so this one is going to be embarrassing because I typed this on Friday. But Garrett Cole, the king of spin, seeming much more human without the spider tack, right? You sent me this message, uh, so I put it in here. So Cole's numbers still look great on the season. Eight and four. This was before yesterday. Eight and four, two ninety one ERA, leading the American League in strikeouts with one hundred twenty five to twenty walks. Amazing. Cut that down though to the start of June. Six starts, two and two, thirty four innings, but thirty eight strikeouts, ten home runs, and a five twenty four ERA. Now that's roughly the same time that the MLB said, "Hey, we're cracking down on this stuff." And remember his cop out answer, right? He didn't want to talk about it, but I think we all believe that he was using something to grip the ball. Now, last night, I said they made me look like a fool because nine scoreless innings at Houston, probably one of the best three lineups in the game right now, and struck out 12 of them. Here's the cop-out answer. It's somewhere in the middle, right? He's not that. He's not going to obviously pitch that well. He's not going to pitch to a 520 ERA. If you told me, though, from this point forward, he threw a Instead of his sub-3 ERA, it's more like a 3-2-5 ERA. I'd say, yeah, that's probably about right. He's really good. He throws 99 miles an hour with probably the best changeup in the game right now. So I still think he's going to be very good. Here's why the, your numbers, uh, in light of just the one start, the reason why he's still correct in being on this list is because uh, someone like Garrett Cole, and you talk to any any pitcher when it comes to their 30 starts, they tell you that you're going to have a handful of starts where nothing is working, right? And you have a handful of starts when you can weave it around like you're waving a wand and it's going to go where you want it to go. All your pitches are in sync, right? That's the two uh, polar opposites. And then the rest of it's in the middle where you battle it out, where some stuff is working, some stuff isn't, and you have to be effective when you don't have your best stuff. So more often than not, even these types of players are not at their best stuff level. Last night... Cole was at his best stuff level. That's one of those handful of starts. Uh, and so when you're uh, already having the talent level he is and you get one of those starts, it's it's nice out uh, lights out for, for no matter the offense that you're facing. That's not normal Cole. And the reason why it's not normal Cole is not just because of the handful, but because he relies on that fastball up in the zone. And when you can control it, very uh, dynamic pitch. But when you are pitching up in the zone, if you don't have that control, it goes a long, long way. 
which is why he has the homer issues he's had in his past, especially in that Little League park they call a stadium in New York. So guess what was helping that control? The the extra mm-hmm. foreign substance. So then he could do that, which is why you didn't see the home run issues here this year the way he had in his first year with the New York Yankees, right? Uh, that's where the long ball was a challenge for him. So without the substance, I still question, he's still a very good pitcher. I don't believe he's a great pitcher, except for those handful of starts. I think you're at a 3.5 to 3.75 Ooh. ERA. It's under yeah. four, okay. but it's not at a what you would expect from a $324 million pitcher. And it has to do with being in the AL East. It has to do with the ballpark that he faces at home uh, and the, the offenses that he normally sees. Because he doesn't have the control to live up there with his fastball without the foreign substance, he hasn't proven it yet, uh, then I don't see how he maintains that lower ERA. Uh, and also, my, here's my rant of the of the week Here we go. Uh, from this one, and that's the... I don't get how in today's day and age with the kid gloves for things, and someone can say, oh, great throwback to retro. Sure, you want go ahead and risk a $324 million investment by being stupid and letting him pitch 130 pitches. No one's going to come within, what, 15 pitches of that this year? Unless Trevor Bauer gets back. This here. is the team that did the same thing. They made sure that Corey Kluber could get his no-hitter, and now where's Corey Kluber now? He is sitting at home watching TV, as far as I know, watching the Yankees on TV. That is a $11 million paperweight that you now have on your roster. For a guy who has arm issue history, you let him pitch the extra innings, the extra pitches, everything there, and you suffer the consequences. Do you really want to risk that with a $324 million investment when you don't have anything else in that rotation? You take away Garrett Cole, this is a sub-500 team. It's barely a 500 team right now. If you want to talk about players that have more of a, from a, a most valuable player, the, the concept, right? There's no one who matters more to a team right now than Garrett Cole to the New York Yankee rotation. How stupid can you be with that investment? Uh, mind-boggling to me. And Aaron Boone is not a good manager. I agree uh, with it, that. When you allow your, your pitcher, and again, sometimes you're, you go out there and you test them and you say they want to stay in the game and you let them, fine. Who, who's in charge here? You, you see what was <laughs> like, I'm not coming out of this game. Like the, the level to which Cole responded and things within it, it might be much ado about nothing, but Boone only looks good when his veteran players look good. And when they when they're willing to follow, if they start to bristle, like this is one that I haven't thought of until seeing what took place on the mound in that game, uh, is he can lose that locker room fast. Oh, sure. If a veteran locker room like that, if they don't believe in him anymore, that will torpedo much quicker than I ever anticipated. You could see clubhouse issues, especially in that New York media market. That word will get out there. Uh, and that can become a massive situation for uh, for the Yankees. So it's not that I necessarily anticipate it this year, uh, but because of the high expectations and the high pressure that's in the in the Bronx with the way this team is and the way they're built, they don't rebuild. Uh, someone's going to be looking for uh, someone to take the heat at some point, and it's, it's going to be an interesting question. But again, the rant was just about. You don't let someone that you've invested this many years, he's got, what, eight years left on his contract, uh, at $300 million investment, 
you don't make him go 130 pitches here, no matter how much he wants to stay in the game. Ran over. Two more ace pitchers here to talk about. Two more ace pitchers. Uh, Thursday night, the game of the week, you Darvish versus Max Scherzer. On paper, it has all the best makings of a pitching matchup of the year. And then the game happened, and it didn't live up the hype. You Darvish wasn't very good. He made three innings. In the meantime, he gave up eight hits, six earned runs, and struck out two. That is an absolute blip on the radar. I have so few concerns about you Darvish. I looked it up. You Baseball Savant has him throwing seven pitches over 8% of the time. So we talked about focus on your best pitches. Well, you Darvish has so many of them. It doesn't, if he has two that don't work that night, he'll go to his other four. So other than him possibly being injured, what I don't really have a whole lot of concerns, him being too hurt, I still say three-ish ERA going forward, tons of Ks out of you Darvish. He'll be fine. Max Scherzer. Made it to the fourth inning, and then he got hammered. Okay, three and two-thirds, five hits, a walk, seven earned runs, including maybe the story of the year. Did you see this one? Daniel Camarena? Did you see this? No. Okay. Local San Diego guy, relief pitcher, because you Darvish stunk, right? So they took him out, brought in Daniel Camarena as relief pitcher, second game ever, second ever at bat, and he hits a grand slam off of Max Scherzer. That's awesome. And I, I didn't make the connection to it. That was the story I only saw in, in brief passing. Uh, and it took me until getting the, the description. Like, that's what it was. That's an awesome story. Yeah. And once again, for Max, though, another absolute blip on the radar. The, the only problem Max Scherzer has ever had is the home run. And it's always been that way. If you want to get to him, you have to hit home runs. Because stringing together hits against him is really hard. So... He's going to be just fine, and he's going to come up on a little bit here because I still he's probably still the biggest name that's got a chance to move because he's a free agent after this year. So we'll talk about him after the break, I would guess, right? Break time? Let's uh, take a quick break, and uh, we'll fire up the hot stove and give you our top 25 list on players that could be moved, and we'll give you our uh, uh, buy or sell uh, as we take a look at those names. Egg. Your eggs are cut, sir. Cut my milk! I can't, sir. It's liquid. Imbecile! Freeze it, then cut it. You! Bring me the Wall Street Journal. You two, fight to the death. You are a madman. I want to party with you, cowboy. Are you kids with your loud music and your Dan Fogelberg, your Zima, hula hoops, and Pac-Man video games? Don't you see... People today have attention spans that can only be measured in nanoseconds. <laughs> be honest with you, I love his music. I do. I'm a Michael Fulton fan. Yes! That's awesome! We have a list of 25 names who are looking for some fans as we might have a change of uniform, a change of scenery, at impacting pennant races. Uh, and division races and wild card races uh, throughout Major League Baseball. We're going to dive into these names. Before we jump into the 25, I did want to at least ask, how would you compare this trade deadline season to recent ones in, in the past? Do you see this as, uh, do you see uh, impact players available uh, that can uh, help a, a stretch run that way? Is it more quality uh, or quantity over quality? Uh, do you anticipate more like uh, active uh, activity uh, as we go back from 60 games to 162? You have some of the challenges that are involved there. Does that breed more uh, activity, or is this going to be more of a quiet uh, uh, trade deadline? How would you shape the context 
of this year's uh, trading season? Well, the thing about the 60-game season last year was is that teams didn't have enough time to fall out of it or to have ran away with it. So you mentioned that you the NL East is close, and some of these races are close, but some of them aren't. Uh, the White Sox have a, opened up a very nice lead in the AL Central, for example, and so that makes more teams buyers and more or a few teams buyers, but more team sellers, right? And last season, we didn't really have enough time for that, so... There wasn't a whole lot of big trades. There were some. Starling Marte got traded. He's going to be on this list again this year, but I think it's going to be pretty active. I, I think there's some pretty big names on this list that we're going to talk about. I do believe this is going to be a more active trading deadline than in the past couple of seasons. Uh, number one, even going back to before the like the pre-COVID uh, trading uh, seasons and deadlines here, uh, I think there's going to be some... I think what shapes that is you have the haves and have-nots that have started to emerge, even as the from uh, division races being one thing, but I think also your teams at the top and teams at the bottom, there are teams that are already, they're out, they're done, right? Uh, Minnesota Twins, this is the team that we talked about as being a potential playoff team, they're done. Uh, that's their, the Atlanta Braves, for all sorts of different reasons, because of that division, they could still try to go for it, but they could also say right now, hey, we're done too. Uh, the Cleveland Indians have been the latest team reporting that uh, because of that division lead that has emerged, uh, could uh, some of their pitchers become on, on the trade block here? Uh, and this is a team that uh, in the past, when they have committed to being a seller, they have sold. Uh, so that's an interesting one to monitor. And some of these aren't going to even make our list right now because we still need another, I'd say about 10 days to really shape uh, the directions of some teams for making that decision because that's where we're at in front offices, right? As we get past the MLB draft, we're now at the stage of deciding, are we still in this? If so, what pieces do we need or are we out? And what pieces should we move? Sorry, I got distracted. A guy named Max Muncy just got drafted in the MLB draft. The exact same name. Sorry, I got distracted. I wasn't listening to you. They, they just wanted, uh, I think they're trying to see, no, I was just if, like, if we is do that this, um, do we get the guy from, from L.A.? Is that how that works? <laughs> I got distracted. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. Yes, it's going to be an active trade deadline, and we'll we'll follow along. And we've seen some of them happen already, right? Willie Adamas has been a big trade, and your team got yeah. Drew Rasmussen. So there's been some really helpful trades made already. And a couple of early ones. And, uh, again, there's a lot of these names. I think what also helps here is the teams that we're talking about. Uh, there's a lot of expiring uh, contracts that are that are going on, uh, so that makes it easier to move these types of players. They're not part of the future, uh, and for teams that are out of it, again, we, Chicago Cubs, uh, they're going to be sellers within this. So you have some; uh, they have four or five expiring contracts uh, for key players, or that was part of their older core. Uh, what happens there? How many get moved? So let's dive into these twenty-five uh, uh, names: uh, bats first or, or pitchers first. I haven't. I haven't like. Best, I guess. So it, right. it goes Have back and forth. That's okay. So Max Scherzer. Max Scherzer's first, right? He's performing the same way he ever is. He has a 210 ERA. He strikes out 35%, but he's about to turn 37. And the Nationals are, where are we at in the standings currently? The Nationals are 42 and 47, nine or six games back of the Mets. So it's not out of it, right? Six games is still doable the year they won the world series i remember they were like 15 games out or something about this time so however steven strasburg's hurt right and patrick corbin's not very good anymore i've said that so i don't see them competing and two and eight in their last 10 four straight losses right now 
I think this is a team that is usually stubborn to say we're not going to make trades. But if if this streak, let's say they go to, to eight losses in a row, uh, as we get into, into the other side of the All-Star break, does Max Scherzer then become available? I think he should. I, I think that they really should decide to do that. And it's hard to believe a team that two years ago won the World Series is looking at rebuilding, but it, this is a team that should be looking at rebuilding. And there are definitely teams that would be willing to trade for a player like Max Scherzer. And he would go to the top of the list as far as what you could get for him uh, because of that that type of impact number one starter available that can change a, a pennant race, even on a uh, uh, expiring uh, contract. Now, here's the key. Like for all, there's many good reasons why we'd say yes to this. And I think if the if the Nationals got on the other side of this and, and the, it happened where they lose a few more games, they say, okay, we're going to do this. Here's why it won't, though. Uh, two names, Scott Boris. Uh, he has already come out and said that because he's got ten and five rights. Uh, uh, Scherzer will not approve any trade without some sort of contract amendment, aka give me an extension. Now maybe someone does that, uh, but at his age, uh, with it, are you are you going to give him? Uh, what Scott Boris would want for that? How many years would that be? And in such a short order. Are you going to be able to make uh, that type of contract done in time? I don't see it happening. I think there's too many hurdles to get to, even though it makes all the sense in the world to do this. I don't see it happening because of Scott Boris. Yeah, I, that's a good point. Yeah, Scott Boris is money spot. Money talks, right? Money talks. And Max Scherzer is going to get paid this offseason. If he wants to keep pitching for as long as he wants to keep pitching, people are going to fork it over. And we'll see where he goes at least then. I, I don't know if he'll get moved this year. I'd like to see it. It'd be kind of interesting to see him get moved to a team that could use some pitching, but probably not going to happen. Let's talk to about a guy I do think gets moved here. We've talked about him before. How about Nelson Cruz? Nelson Cruz, half the league immediately out because he doesn't play defense. He can't play defense. But at now 41, he just had a birthday in early July. Happy birthday, Mr. Cruz. You just turned 41, but you are still an all-star. 11 doubles, 18 homers, 46 RBI, still hitting 304. There is definitely teams that are in contention that could use a DH like that because he's still one of the two, three best in the game. Yeah, this this is the interesting one because not only is half the league ruled out as a result of a DH, uh, but only half of those teams even need uh, a DH. Uh, the Boston's not trading for him. They have J.D. Martinez. Uh, the the, the Yankees up. have uh, how many like people that, that fit <laughs> in that DH role, right? Uh, Jordan Alvarez with Houston. Like, there's teams that are not trading for him. The question becomes from the teams that are left. Toronto needs pitching more than yeah. they need hitting, but I I don't count them out as a dark horse because you can uh, you can mask pitching problems when you're getting five six runs a game uh, with this type of offense and what he can do to that to that offense even more. I could see them doing that because he's not going to cost that much as a rental as a DH. Uh, but there's teams that have a bigger need. Oakland would be one. The Tampa Bay Rays are another one there for it. Uh, the White Sox are a possibility, but I wonder if that's where Eloy Jimenez is going to go when he comes back from the uh, from the IL. I think Toronto and Oakland, or excuse me, Tampa Bay and Oakland are the two most logical, right? I I really think that those are the two that you'll see it. I, Oakland, this would seem to be like an Oakland type of move to me, just because it's. They tend to get these guys on older players on expiring contracts, and they don't want to commit too long term. And 
They're still at 52 and 40, so they keep winning. There is one more cool uh, storyline that could happen with him for a team we haven't mentioned. Who's that? Seattle. Going Going back back home. Uh, With that, there's a chance for that. With uh, with them saying, hey, we're going to take a a go at this. We've uh, uh, overperformed expectations to this point. Some of the young talent that's there, why don't we take a a stab at at him and try to improve the offense a little bit? I I think his his best fit... uh, for a team that not only needs a bat but needs right-handed power hitting, his best fit is with the Tampa Bay Rays. I just this isn't a team that typically wins any sort of a uh, that doesn't win any sort of a war uh, for a, for a cost. So I, I'm hesitant to say it, but I think that's one that makes a lot of sense. Let's go to a center fielder who got traded last year at this time. Starling Marte got moved last year. You remember? Actually, he's been has he been traded three times in the last like year, I think, because it went from Pittsburgh to Arizona. He made it thirty three games in the weird season in Arizona and got yep. traded to Miami. And here we sit. He is a I think he's a free agent after this year too, if I'm not mistaken. He is signed through twenty twenty one, so you would get this year on him, and then he's a free agent in twenty twenty two. So. Having a nice year. Uh, the average, he was hurt for a while. I think it was a rib injury, if I don't mis- I'm not mistaken. But still, doing exactly what he always does, batting a very good leadoff. He, six home runs and 18 RBIs. The RBIs are always low because he bats leadoff. But he has 16 steals. He's hitting 273, getting on base at a 383 clip. And he can play a very good center field. So I think that if you're talking about the Yankees, that's one that has severe needs in center field. They Mets. brought in Tim LaCastro. The Mets have all the outfield issues still because of all their injuries. But... Uh, I do think Starling Marte gets traded here. Yep. The the only thing that came out in the last week is that there's been contract negotiations being talked about. He would like to stay with the Marlins. He's looking at a, uh, wanting a three- or four-year deal, average or total deal of around $50 million. And so the question is, does that get taken care of there? Uh, if it does, obviously he stays. If they don't come to a contract extension in the next in about 10 days to two weeks, then I think he does get moved. Let's go to a weird one because Colorado is involved, and that makes it weird. And this is, I don't know if he's the biggest name, but he's a superstar. Trevor Story's a superstar in this game, and I guess all these guys are, but you never know what to do with Colorado. Story's a free agent after this year. It's possibly the best shortstop class in the last decade. We're not going to mention a few more of them a little bit here, but I think he gets moved. They have to move him if they're not complete idiots, but I don't hold that beyond them that to be complete morons, but... The A's make a lot of sense. The Yankees, once again, make a lot of sense. But if I'm if I'm betting on this one, I'm saying the A's. I would agree. The only challenge here is you look at his numbers so far, it's underwhelming. The offense that he like, this is a 30-35 homer bat in, in previous seasons, the offense is completely underwhelming. So you're not gonna trade a lot for him who's on an expiring deal and is not showing the, the complete player. Now, maybe it's the, this happened to Nick Castellanos uh, a couple of years ago when he was with Detroit, right? Disinterested on a very bad team, goes to Chicago and tears it up in the second half, revitalized, engaged, and shows the talent. Could that happen with Trevor Story? Absolutely. But if you're a GM, you're not giving prospects at the same value banking on that. So that's one thing that could derail any trade uh, because that bat just hasn't been there. Yeah, I, I think I, I think he still gets moved. I, I think he gets moved, and I very much agree with what you said. In that, it is very similar to Castellanos, where 
they traded Arenado and it, it's Trevor story and it's a lot of guys like just a guys type of players. And so I'm not really sure that he's, I don't want to, I'm not going to sit here and crap all over Trevor story's hustle, but I would, it would be awful hard to say, look, we're a contending team when they're consistently losing. And so we'll see, maybe it gets better if he gets moved. Here's a team that's been really bad recently. And so the next four names I got are all on the same team. So let's start with Chris Bryant. He's come up a lot. He's a former MVP. He's playing much better this season after some down years. He's also a free agent after this season. And it came out this week, Jed Hoyer uh, came out and basically said, we're looking to sell now. We've lost, they lost 11 straight, I think, maybe got to 12, but they're looking to sell. So Chris Bryant, there's a lot of teams looking for third. I've heard the Mets mentioned looking for third, even though I kind of like J.D. Davis. I, uh, we'll see. You can pack his bags already. He's he's gone. He's one of the top three bats available uh, within an expiring deal, so you don't have to invest a bunch of money. A potential impact bat. He's got positional flexibility to go with it, uh, so he can play corner infield. He's shown dabbling in the outfield, even center field. He's uh, had some uh, some games already in, so he's getting moved. The question is, where does he end up? And I think that's still a giant question mark. There's teams that are rumored, but... This is the Cubs' biggest, well, you can make an argument maybe it's the second biggest trade piece. I say 1A and 1B, uh, but uh, Bryant is definitely uh, one of the top names that's there. If you look at the numbers, he's cooled off from his inferno start uh, that he had, but this is still a, again, right-handed bats are uh, the strength of this trading deadline, I would say. I give it from Starling Marty to Nelson Cruz to Chris Bryant. Uh I think he's the top bat because of the different positions he can play that is available, and despite being a rental, he should fetch a decent return. If it wasn't within the division and I thought they'd do it, I would say Brewers. it would be a great yeah, fit for the Brewers, absolutely. but I don't think it will happen because he plays in the same division. So we keep yep. it with the Cubs. I mentioned all the shortstops. Well, Javier Baez is a free agent after this year, and you'd have to take deal with the lots of strikeouts. You get flashy defense. I think he's overrated extremely highly as a defender, but he's very flashy out there and you get home runs and you get steals, right? He's a very interesting player. You just have to deal with the the strikeouts, but I said you get you get a lot of home runs. So do I think he gets moved? I think they have to keep one of the big three. I think they have to keep one of Chris Bryant, Javier Baez, and Anthony Rizzo who was coming up next in here. So because otherwise you're not going to sell any tickets. <laughs> so you keep one of them. I think Baez is the most likely to stay of those three. I would agree. I think he's the one that doesn't get moved. I think he he does stay. I think they look at a contract extension. Uh, you can make an argument whether that is the best decision or not, but I think of all the ones that are there, he's the one most likely to stay. So Rizzo, here, here's my feeling on Rizzo. Now, it is very – we haven't talked about the San Francisco Giants because they keep winning games, and – I just think it is a perfect fit. I don't know if they would do it because they don't tend to make big moves and they keep winning, but Anthony Rizzo would seem to be a perfect fit to me because Brandon Belt's hurt and they find a way with their platoon stuff to keep winning, but I think Anthony Rizzo to San Francisco makes a lot of sense. Yeah, it's the he's another one that's a little bit more like Trevor's story as far as the, the bat isn't quite what it has been in, uh, in previous seasons. Uh, I think there's more of a platoon situation. I think it's uh, uh, he he doesn't face uh, both sides uh, at at this point. At least he hasn't shown that this year of being productive that way. Uh, 
which I think makes it a little bit more challenging, again, for first base. Again, this is another one that would make sense for the Milwaukee Brewers, but it's not going to happen in division. So where does he go where there's a need there? I think that's the problem is uh, supply and demand. Here's the weird thing about Rizzo. He has a reverse platoon split. So Rizzo is a lefty who's hitting 212 against righties, but 347 against lefties. That is a weird one that I wouldn't have known until you mentioned that, but that is strange. I've, I've been looking at potential players for the uh, my team, and so I, I, I'm a little bit more up on some of the uh, uh, advanced stats as a result. Good job. Way to, way, to, way to be on it here, buddy. How about Nick Castellanos? You mentioned him. I'm, uh, I'm scouring the, the, the players uh, and, scouting, and scouting reports the same way my GM, I hopefully, is too. I skipped one of the Cubs. Wilson Contreras, last Cub on my list. So catchers, always in demand by teams. Wilson Contreras. I think he's a free agent, if I'm not mistaken, after this season, too. And how about him just moving from one side of Chicago to the other side for a while? And then we've seen him play the outfield. He's, and you also have DH spot then by by going that route. I think there is protection to Grandal. Uh, that would make it a ton of sense. Um, there was a story that came out in the le- over the weekend of uh, he called out the team uh, for uh, performance, and the manager came out and said he shouldn't have done that. Uh, so w- the question becomes, does this become some sort of a ranker situation where now that it might be better off to move him or if they were on the fence before, does the recent events start to push it in one direction? Uh, I, I'm more convinced that he moves now than I was maybe a week ago. Here's one that I don't think is going to move, but I'm going to mention him. The Reds just got done sweeping the Brewers. Nick Castellanos is leading baseball and batting average and doubles actually. And so actually a total basis too, but we have to bring it up because there's still, I think six games back of the Brewers, even with the sweep, he is under team control through 2024. And actually I think there's an option that year, but he has to, maybe he has that option. And then we've seen it. We've seen the bat work. We've seen him get traded a few times in this. It would get a haul back. The Reds, I, they stay competitive. They seem to always want to rebuild, but they never really do it. It's kind of weird. I, Nick Castellanos' value is never going to be higher than right now. Here's the interesting thing. You mentioned contract stuff, so there's a little – it's more obscure, so unless you were looking for it, you don't know it's there. He has a contract thing that allows him to opt out at the end of this year to mm-hmm. forego the final two years. So he has two years and $32 million left on his contract. The way that he is hitting, his question now is, is my value enough where I can get beyond that, and is this my last big – uh, contract opportunity, in which case if he's going to opt out, and I guarantee you the Cincinnati front office is talking to an agent to decide, you know, do you have an, an idea of what's swaying you right now? What do you feel like you want to do? If he's uh, pretty much leaning to, to leave, uh, to get a new contract, well, either it's A, will you give him a new contract, or B, if you're not, uh, then I think that could see him being uh, moved here. Otherwise, I wouldn't say with two years left, they, they wouldn't do it. Uh, but the other challenge becomes, then he's an ex- potentially an expiring contract, and so how are you going to get appropriate value for this type of bat uh, within it? So it's kind of interesting to see what happens. I think there's a better than 50% chance that he does move, though, as a result of those issues. We already mentioned one twin, Nelson Cruz. Let's mention another twin. Jose Barrios. So this is one of the bigger pitching names on the market. He's only 27, whereas Scherzer's 37, and you get an extra year. He's not a free agent until 2023. 
The Twins are should be trade sellers. They are considerably below 500 at this point. And Barrios is at 101 innings. He struck out 106. He has a 3.36 ERA, and he's seven and three doing so. So. I think he is what he is at this point. I know people have always, even early in the year, I watched, I think, the first game and maybe like a first week hot take was maybe he's better this year. But we've seen a 389, a 384, a 368, a 4, and a 336 ERA. So you're going to get a mid-threes ERA. You're going to get a lot of innings. He pitches a lot of innings. And there's a lot of teams that can use a guy like that at this point in the season. You're looking at a more of a number two or number three starter versus ace. So the question becomes, what do the... Uh, the Twins want because with one and a half years of team control left, that price is going to be sky high. If Scherzer isn't available, he can easily move to the top pitcher available. If not for another name that we might be talking about here from the Texas Rangers, I think those are the two biggest pitchers that could be on the block uh, as a result. I, I do believe Barrios is gone. That's the Toronto guy, right? That's where Toronto should move is look at Jose Barrios. I'd say either him or let me just jump his name in here, Kyle Gibson. We'll get to him. Oh, yeah. Yeah, uh, we'll that, that, that's the I think either one of those fits Toronto. They have the uh, pitching prospects, the overall prospects period to do catching prospects, some of the things that are there. Uh, that makes a ton of sense uh, for that team because either one of those players has one more year left uh, in addition to this year. So you get them for two uh, playoff runs. Well, since we're talking pitching, let's do the, the last big pitcher on this list, and we're back to Colorado, where we never know what they're doing, but Herman Marquez. Herman Marquez, he is pitching great. Bud Black said he's not going anywhere. So do we believe Bud Black? I do, uh, because they've they've been goofy over there with how they've held on to guys and some of them too long. And so I think this will be another classic case of that. I think John Gray goes, who's a uh, – uh, now that's one who's a free agent at the end of the year, he's and you're not going to yeah. get as much as what's there. Uh, but I don't think Marquez goes. We're jumping around here, but yeah, I agree. I don't think Marquez goes, but I think John Gray goes, and I think if John Gray goes, I think he's going to be really good. Uh, even though he has some weird splits too where he tends to be better on the road, or actually better at Colorado than on the road, I think he's just gotten used to pitching there. This is a guy who was a former like fifth pick in the draft overall. Very good. Speaking of that, your team just made a pick. They drafted a shortstop. Uh, and so I think John Gray is going to be good, and – that's the one that I actually think makes the most sense for the Tampa Bay Rays. Uh, they're yeah, the, they're, they are the, the team that's good at tweaking uh, pitchers to maximize what they do well and make it even better. Uh, so that one makes a lot of sense. If you're going to do a change of scenery to a, a pitcher and put them in the best chance to succeed, that one makes a ton of sense to me. I was going to say San Francisco, but I don't think they trade them in the division. Yep, I, I would agree. If it, if it would not be an interdivision trade, I would agree. Uh, let's go. I got another hitter here. We skipped around a little bit here, but how about Joey Gallo? Remember when Joey Gallo was kind of cold and then he was on a heater and he's still on a heater. That OPS is flying up the board. The minute that the foreign substances were gone is when his numbers went up and skyrocketed because bad people that don't have command on their fastball. He eats those people apart. Just like we mentioned with Garrett Cole, right, as far as if you're going to pitch fastball up, you need to have the control for it because you miss. It goes a long way, especially uh, to a batter like Joey Gallo. Uh, again, this is another one where I think they should move him, but organizationally, I don't think they will. They did the same thing with Lance Lynn. Uh, with it. They didn't move him until the very last moment. Uh, Kyle Gibson is the one where they could still wait and do that at the – and the offseason within it, this is not a team that moves fast. 
uh, in recent years for their players that everyone says, okay, you should be trading these guys. Uh, I don't think Gallo moves uh, because of the organization's approach. This is the one I want selfishly as a Brewers fan. I want Joey Gallo badly. That would be a great. It would be a great a fit. Great he could fit. play. He can play first. He could play center field. Jackie Bradley's great at defense, but I would love Joey Gallo there. So we'll see. Take a guess. What stat does Joey Gallo lead baseball in? Because you think it's strikeouts, logically, right? I just happened to look. It's OBP on base percentage, yeah, right? Walks. Yeah, and yeah, he's unbelievable at. He gets no credit for how good he is at that. So, as a Brewers fan, selfishly, I want Joey Gallo. We'll see. You uh, said the. The Rangers are not always the best manager, although it's been a little better lately. We'll, we'll give them a little credit. Here's a big name. I think this one is, once again, guaranteed to be gone. And actually, maybe not a big name, but a good player. Adam Frazier, the second baseman for our Pittsburgh yeah. team here that does not get the love he deserves, but he's going to be an all-star this year. So maybe it's starting to get a little better. And this one seems like such a White Sox player. I think Tony La Russa would absolutely love Adam Frazier. Nick Madrigal got hurt. I think that makes all the sense in the world. More than Contreras or anyone else we've mentioned, this is the one that I think you can circle the White Sox uh, uh, putting in uh, as good of an offer as they can to get him. He makes a ton of sense on that team. He is leading baseball in hits, currently hitting 327. You slot him in at batting playing second base, batting leadoff on that team, and it gets even better because he gets off of the Pirates for him. So congratulations, Adam Frazier. I think you're going to go to a much better team. Uh, another pitcher, just to quickly mention, the Kansas City Reels let me down, so they're not very good anymore. How about let's start with Danny Duffy. He is having a good year, but he's battled some injuries a couple times. As long as you get him healthy, you feel pretty good about it. What do we think? Danny Duffy, yes or no on the move? I say no just because, again, like Texas, this is the team that doesn't make those types of trades, right? You can say Jorge Soler should have been moved. Whit Merrifield was a possibility. Uh, you can go up and down that that list. They don't make uh, those types of, of trades. Now, maybe uh, because of the, the way this year has gone and is the, the there's still no bottom they're falling out of yet. It's still there. Uh, Carlos Santana is another one that, uh, if I jumped uh, on the list, I'm sorry, uh, but uh, uh, that's the other one that's possible since there's one year left there. Uh, that one, if he does become available, that one, uh, depending upon what happens at first base with the Brewers, makes a lot of sense to me. We got a couple more hitters here, then we'll get to some relief pitchers. Eduardo Escobar, the Diamondbacks, a couple weeks ago, I think already, it was a weekend, and he was out of the lineup, and there was a lot of speculation that he was traded to the White Sox, but it has not happened yet. He's just quietly productive on a very bad Diamondbacks team. I think it's very likely he's he's a free agent after this year as well. I believe it's very likely he will be traded to a contending team, and depending on where he goes, he's either a super utility player or starts at – he can play almost every infield position, I think. So for him, I think he fits the – complete theme of the New York Mets player acquisition the last year. They don't go for the top player. They go for the second player. So as much as Chris Bryant makes sense there, Eduardo Escobar is that second best third baseman uh, that would potentially fit there. I think that will match their approach more. I, that would make a lot. I said, I don't always, I think that they don't give enough love to how good JD Davis is, but Agreed. that's my opinion. And they're, they seem to want another one. And, I think it makes a lot of sense for them. Last hitter I got is Mitch Haniger. Seattle has been surprisingly good at 48 and 43, but I said they're not as good as Houston, I don't think. I don't think they're as good as Oakland, but and I think their competing window is probably two years away. So is it worth it to keep Mitch Haniger? 
probably not. I think you could probably move him this year and get as much as you're ever going to get from him. See, I think with Kalanick and Rodriguez being so close, uh, this could be a move where they uh, some buying and selling. This is the team that could do a little bit of both. Uh, I still see them. I see them more as buying and going for a wild card spot uh, more than I do uh, them deciding to sell off pieces. Uh, so Mitch Haniger does fit because of their prospect depth or where their, their talent, their top talent is located. I still could see him being moved despite looking to buy more than sell. Let's do some relief pitchers here. First, Craig Kimbrell, the last Cub on this list. I think he is gone because he is on an absolute heater all season this year. And I think he's got an option after this year, too. I don't think he's a free agent. I'm pretty sure if you trade for him, you get another year with him if you pick up the option. Correct. So he is currently at a .57 ERA. That's pretty good. And 54 strikeouts in 31 innings. Do we got any guesses for Ked Kimbrell? Houston Astros. Wow. That would be – they're really good already. And Ryan Presley is a pretty good closer. So however you're going to do it, if you're going to use one at the closer and one as a setup man or vice versa – that would make that team even better, and yeah, that's a good fit. I like that if, one. If Philly was uh, close enough Ugh. to contending, that would be a, an easy move there. Uh, but I think the Astros, uh, they only make moves for more like what they view as game changers. Uh, as a game-changing move. Yep, and so here's someone who can have that type of elite impact. They did it with Grinke a couple of years ago, Verlander before. This is a team that goes big game hunting, and I think Ray Kimbrell is at the top of their list. Another twin, Taylor Rogers. I've said I like Taylor Rogers. I wish they. I don't know why they refuse to play him as the closer. I don't get it. It's stupid. But thirty-six innings. He has a two forty-five ERA. Struck out fifty-one batters with his usual low FIP. So he is a lefty, and he's you got two more years. He's a free agent, not until twenty twenty-three. So it should be a lot of demand for a lefty like that. 95-plus mile-an-hour fastball coming from the left-hand side, elite uh, late-inning reliever. Uh, what I think I see, because now we've mentioned all the, the Twins players, right? We mentioned Barrios, we've mentioned uh, Cruz, we've mentioned now uh, Rogers. I think I see more of a package deal coming with Cruz plus Barrios or Cruz plus Rogers, uh, because you're going to get a better uh, level of prospect in return versus doing Cruz on his own. Uh, and for the teams that would be interested in Cruz, most of them would be interested in either Barrios or Rogers combined. Uh, it, it makes a lot of sense. For example, here's the nice trade Toronto could do. If you want an impact move to make a, a shot at this, you, you get Cruz, and then you either help the bullpen arm that much more, or here's Barrios for your rotation. I That would be great. They, they would love that trade, so... Mm -hmm. Uh, we already mentioned Drysdale Iglesias, how good he's been lately. The Angels are falling out of it. What do we think? Move or mo no move? This one, uh, I, I do see a move. Do you have any guesses where? Because I don't think he moves, actually. I don't trust them enough to actually make this move. So I think he's going to stay in the Angels. It'll be interesting to see where. Because I'm not sure. I mean, like, again, we know Houston and the, the Blue Jays are looking for relief pitchers. Uh, within it, so whoever doesn't get Kimbrel, this could be the runner-up sweepstakes. Uh, National League, there's going to be some teams as well. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see who comes up with him. Uh, but yeah, the Angels can be a little bit uh, confusing in their approach. So would it surprise me if he's still on the Angels uh, after the trading deadline? Not at all. 
Richard Rodriguez, Pittsburgh, their closer. He's been great this year. He should move because they're really bad. I see the Dodgers. Yeah, uh, this is where you maximize return, right? Uh, and uh, especially for relief pitchers on very bad teams, you want the best prospect you can get that's going to help you grow. And here's the Pittsburgh uh, positive uh, point in the podcast, and that's their farm system is slowly being built up nice. Uh, it's More a top-five system. Uh, there's a couple of, uh, from Kylie McDaniel to a couple of the other guys that were talking as a result of the MLB draft that's going on right now uh, about farm systems, and uh, there was some love that was sent uh, Pittsburgh's way. Uh, and uh, that's where, again, especially for a relief pitcher when you're not contending, you add to that arsenal in the best way you can. A couple more here. We got Ian Kennedy with the bounce back year so far with Texas, 30 innings. He's got a 267 ERA. He's proven to be a valuable closer with 15 saves already. I believe he's back healthy. Now, he was hurt for a while, but I think he's back and pitching now. And he's a free agent after this year, though, so you're only – it's a true rental. We expect him to go, I think. I expect him to go. This is one I, I, I wouldn't be a bit surprised. This could be a brewer fit. You know, they're still looking for, like, a seventh inning or another uh, one at the end there, seventh, eighth. Uh, just gives you another uh, veteran arm, depending upon what the, the cost would be would make a lot of sense to shore up uh, one of the – to deepen the late-inning options. Last name I have is the lefty, if you don't get Taylor Rogers is Brad Hand, right? He's a free agent after this year. He's been kind of eh this year. Not great, not bad, but he's played quite well still, so you're going to eat a little contract there. But I think Brad Hand should move too. This is another one that makes sense to me with, uh, with the Dodgers. Yeah, uh, that one. Uh, they want their left-handed relievers. They've always loved uh, Hater. I mean, Hater's good no matter what <laughs> you're looking for there. But Dodgers make a lot of a uh, lot of sense. Could see Toronto as as well. That's another one that that uh, makes sense too. I'm out of names. Well, we uh, finished up that side of it. Let's talk about names uh, on your fantasy uh, team. You've been uh, you're doing some big game hunting yourself here as you go to the waiver wire. Uh, and uh, so tell us about that and then uh, where things currently stand. So we were discussing beforehand, and I'm sitting 14th in average, and so I sort of decided I'm just going to try to win. Even with Corey Seager and Mike Trout coming back someday, hopefully, I'm just going to try and catch up in some of the counting stats. So Eloy Jimenez was out here as a free agent, and now was the time to make the move, I thought. So I bid $101. We discussed this beforehand. Do you want to take a guess as to what? whether or not I got him. And I'll tell you, first off, I did not. Would you like to take a guess as to what this price went for? With some of the money that's still left out, there was like three or four teams that had more uh, in the bank yet. I'm going to guess 214. 415. Wow. Like, I love Eloy. He's great. That would have been your whole wad. That's like my whole, that's like you're putting the bank that Eloy Jimenez comes back in two weeks and he's 15 home runs, 300 average. And he could do that. And that could look great. I, I, so I did not get Eloy Jimenez. I had the second, I had the runner up in at 101. So I guess that's somebody just had a lot more value than I did. And wow. good luck to you, man. I think that's actually a team at first. So I suppose he just said, you know what? I'm already in first. Let's push it. Well, and, and how many, this is the kind of like trading deadline for this stuff. There's not many big names left uh, that you're going to be trying to add here. There can be some interesting names, some maybe prospects that like get a Jaren shot. Like Jaron Duran, right? The but, Red Sox, something but like that. But otherwise, like, this was the, the one of the last big names. Yeah. It makes sense. It, from that perspective, 
to say, all right, this is this is my last guy that I'm trying to add. He's my final piece to try to win this. Yeah, I put I had this once again. I had the runner up bid on Vidal Bruhan for 54. I did not. I had 25. He went for 54. I did not get him. Skip down here to guys. I did get. I did get Tristan McKenzie. We talked about him beforehand. He had a great start in his return to the big leagues. I think I don't remember what I said I was going to put on him, but you convinced me to push it up. I got him for 27. There was a runner up bid of 19, so that's a good little win and. Just to some of the backup bids here with Eloy Jimenez and Vidal Bruhan, we didn't talk about these, but I did get some backup bids. With Acuna being hurt, I Gregory Polanco got hurt. I couldn't keep him anymore. Have you seen the year that Orlando Arcia had at AAA after he got traded from the Brewers to the Braves? It's been incredible. And he is now up, batting fifth for the Braves. So I got him for 11. And then since I didn't get Vidal Bruhan for his bajillion steals, hopefully – uh, for one dollar, I got Nico Gudrum, who just got back from being injured, and he has twelve this year. So, in the end, I spent thirty-eight dollars this week, and we'll see. Uh, again, I still haven't been able to find it. Someone was going off about Tristan McKenzie's uh, like control being there. I was saying that this is a count on him to be a very good starter the rest of the way. Seven. And I just can't find who said it. Well, he had seven innings, struck out nine the other night. That looked like the Tristan McKenzie, one hit. That was the Tristan McKenzie from last year. So I'm Injuries feeling pretty have been good the about challenge my, with him. If he's healthy. Yeah, I'm feeling pretty good about my pitching. Feeling pretty good about the pitching. We'll, we'll see. The offense, every week we're getting a little closer, hopefully, to Mike Trout and Corey Seager and get some counting stats in here. And I don't, did I mention, I don't know if I mentioned to you that, like, I've been doing a little better on offense lately, I would say. It's just been, I've kind of dug myself a hole. So That's what I was going to say is my my approach or hope for you at this point while you're trying to tread water is can you bridge the gap of how much like behind in some of these counting stats are so when you get these uh, big players back, you're not trying to dig out of a massive hole, but th- they can give you the shot and the arm that you need to now make a make a run. So, okay. I forget which podcast I was listening to, but someone said, you know, you might be 35 runs down at this point. Well, that means that you can and make that up. The season's half done, right? You could make that up. So runs, I have 544 runs right now. Add 20, right? That's not asking anything out of those two guys. You gave me 20 more runs. That's add four more points to my total. Now I'm up to, you know, still six home runs. I have 148 add eight that's not asking a lot, right? It give me eight more runs. I'm up in fifth place. And so that adds five more points to my total. Give me, I'm at 523 RBIs. Give it 25. Not asking a lot. I've moved up to sixth. So that's three more points. Steals, I'm at 60, 59. You add even five. I'm at, I get two more points. And I average, I'm at 240. I actually moved up to 13th. I go back and forth between 13th and 14th a lot. That, that's going to be hard, right? This, there's so many at-bats. Even if Corey Seager comes back and Mike Trout comes back and they hit 300, I already have, I don't know, a 1,000-plus at-bats. So yeah. it's hard to make that up. So that's what I'm saying. I wanted to try to make up ground in the counting stats. And we'll see. That, that's how I make this up. If, I, if I'm going to get back into, I don't know, catching first is going to be hard. But if I'm going to get back into second even and top 100 overall, which was always kind of the goal, top 100 out of the overall, I'm at 169th right now. Just some counting stats make up and – like Trout and Corey Seager are really good at that. You have MVP candidates that are coming back exactly. from an uh, injury so. that can definitely help with a, with a stretch run. So we'll see what happens uh, after the All-Star break and see where we hear from uh, when rehab uh, starts begin and all that good stuff. I think Trout, did I see he's going on a rehab assignment? I, no, he took some batting practice on the field. So it's getting closer. 
we're getting there. Josh Donald is not hurt right now. Josh Donaldson's not hurt right now. That's always a good thing because he gets hurt a lot. But Cherish it while you got it. That's right. Uh, next week, I think we said there's only going to be a few days worth of games, so it's going to be hard to say that anybody's on a heater. We'll talk about the All-Star game, right? Yep. Home run derby. Do you have a pick? Do you have your pick? Shohei. It's showtime. Did you see that he doesn't even take batting practice? Did you see that they came out that he does, does it, it without does taking that surprise it? at all? With like the legend grows with this kid, and so I, I do love the Showtime is the nickname I saw on MLB.com for him. And I'm going with Pete Alonso. I'm going with Pete Alonso. The ah, dude has some serious power, right? Yep. This is his type of venue. I think that I think this is what he fits in for. So I'll take Pete Alonso there. I just think the legend grows. This kid is uh, been uh, historic to see I, again. I, we watched the, the Sandlot over the weekend, right? Nice and. Uh, uh, so you talk about the great Bambino, the Sultan of Swat, and everything that's there. There hasn't been anyone since him, as we've mentioned many times already, uh, to do what Shohei's doing. Uh, and he's doing it extremely well. Uh, it's uh, his power numbers. Like, Did you see the moonshot that he did at the upper decker in Seattle? Like 450 feet away from the home plate? Yeah, I, I saw it. I don't it's, know what to make of it, but... I. He's the one who's having so much fun with what he's doing. I think more impressive, though, I loved his. Uh, there was a pitch that was called that was at least six cent, oh, six inches off too. the plate. Yep. The most, Send in the robots. The most polite shutdown of a, of an umpire. It was like the Dikembe yeah, Mutombo yeah. finger wing golfing thing. One hundred percent the Dikembe Mutombo for that one. That was uh, he's a very good good to see. But I, I think he's going to put on a show. Uh, I haven't. I've never been one to really care much for the All Star Game, and also, I don't care for it either. honestly, I enjoyed the Home Run Derby back when Chris Berman was announcing it. It's gone, going, going back, 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 back. Uh, And so I, I haven't watched any of this stuff for yeah. a while. And so here's the point: Shohei's going to make me watch it because uh, I just want to see what what could happen. First time ever, I saw the Japanese TV is covering it. That's hey, the Shohei Otani, you're a worldwide superstar. I saw it. Did you see the picture with him and Ichiro? That's cool. And you're like, wow, there is some greatness in that picture. That's so. cool right there. Uh, but otherwise, we're watching the All-Star game this week. Not going to talk, not a whole lot of other baseball to watch, so we're planning to do power, power rankings, rankings next yeah. week. So we'll do any injuries. Hopefully none of them will come up since there shouldn't be a whole lot of playing, and we'll do any news that comes up. But otherwise, expect some power rankings. We'll go 30 to 1, I think. Yep, and we'll, mar- we'll march our way up to first uh, and uh, – uh, how do you want to structure that uh, for the power rankings? Is it based on what you think or what they've earned to this point? How do you want to do uh, the power rankings for next week? I think we go from to this point. I think we go from how far what they've earned so far, and that and that's what I would prefer to be honest, mm-hmm. because you you uh, you are what your record says you are, right? Do you use the Bill Parcells? We are who we thought there. they were, <laughs> or Denny Green, there whichever one you like, uh, but. Uh, uh, with that one, most of the like MLB.com, especially ESPN, they say, yeah, this is the record, but this is still a good team. Like They still give like a crutch to the, the name or anything with it, and I always hate that. It, you are what you've done to this point. Uh, you Now, you can say you might be banking on them to improve as it goes on, but I think that's the best way to sure, do it. So that's just, what we'll plan for next week. We're not week. just going to go straight off records here. I'm not just going to say every bad team is right. bad, but... But, like, the Twins have played bad. They're not looking like a good team right now, so they're going to be towards the bottom here because that's what they've done so far. Absolutely. So we'll give you where where we think MLB is right now, uh, and uh, we'll uh, share our power rankings next week. So tune in, and we'll catch you next time. 